WWTC Minneapolis St. Paul FM 107.5 K298CO Minneapolis Intelligent Radio With SRN News, I'm Jason Weicker. On the campaign trail, President Biden's re-election theme of protecting American democracy has been on the forefront. In Pennsylvania over the weekend, Democrat Susan Harry says Donald Trump is very dangerous. People start to accept this is the norm. Democracy is definitely in danger. Kurt Baltz describes himself as a libertarian. He says Donald Trump will not bring the end to democracy, as Biden has been claiming. I think we have four years of evidence that he wasn't a fascist dictator. I understand there's a lot of things not to like about the guy. I get it. Um, But I didn't see anything that would indicate that he's an existential threat to this country. A New York judge has ordered Donald Trump and his companies to pay more than $350 million in penalties. The former president calls the verdict a complete and total sham. This is SRN News. Mike Gallagher explains today's America. I have to believe even even some people on the left are starting to wake up and realize the miserable condition of the United States. Our culture is in an undeniable state of freefall. I mean, my gosh, every tradition, everything that used to be so great about this country, they have torn down. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 8 on AM 1280. The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. Sign up for the Patriot Freedom Fan Club today. Just visit our website, am1280thepatriot.com, and click on Fan Club so you can start getting member-exclusive access to prizes, giveaways, getaways, and so much more. It's all the perks of a rewards card with none of its hassle. Today's high around 31 degrees, sunshine throughout your day, while tonight's low dips down to 22 with clear skies throughout your overnight hours, leading into Sunday, tomorrow, sunny with a high in the mid-30s. Monday, partly sunny with a high nearing 40. Portions of the following program may have been pre-recorded. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. Now, here's your headline act, Mitch Bird. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing, the show that's making talk radio great again. The Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488, the number to call. Should you care to join me, we'd love to have you join us here. This is the original social medium, and let's be honest, when big tech completely botches the bejeebers out of all the other uh, social media, we're still going to be here. Someone knows it's still going to be here because George Soros himself just spent an insane amount of money to buy the Odyssey Radio Network, best known in the Twin Cities for owning the former Good Neighbor, which at one time was the the, the highest-rated AM radio station in the United States uh, within living memory. I mean, when I first got in, involved in radio here in the Twin Cities, and is now, well, let's just say they're 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 looking up at us when it comes to both uh, not about numbers, but certainly influence. I mean, they're 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 not the CCO you grew up with, at any rate. Uh, so someone has some confidence in the radio industry, I think. I, I think that's my interpretation. At any rate, uh, I will admit, I, I will um, do one better than a lot of talk show hosts. Certainly one better than any Twin Cities journalist that I'm personally aware of. Maybe a few exceptions. I'll admit when I get something wrong. Some big headlines came out, I think it was Thursday. A group of Somali Muslim families in St. Louis Park pushed back against the school board with the aid 
of a couple of conservative public interest law firms and forced the district to allow their children to opt out of LGBTQ content uh, indoctrination, let's be honest, in schools. Uh, Now, I saw the first tweet on this subject, and I had to uh, I, I, I didn't read the article. And it's a shame because I should have. It was a, actually a, a, a piece showing that the, these Muslim families had gone with the aid of a couple of conservative uh, groups to uh, to court to get the right to pay for parents to exempt their kids to opt their kids out of objectionable content. I did the knee-jerk reaction. I reacted wrong. I said, well, I bet you those Muslim parents are getting all sorts of extra uh, goodies out of this deal. I said, no, no, that's for everyone. It just happened to be uh, the Muslim parents were the ones who brought the action, who were the agreed parties who, who went to court and got the settlement, all with the aid of some good, solid conservatives. At any rate, so uh, I, I'll put a little egg on my face. This is actually a win of sorts for, for uh, school district accountability and Uh, parental rights. And by God, we need some of those. With us to talk about one where the good guys desperately need to win one, uh, Representative Walter Hudson joins us. Walter, welcome back to the show. How you doing? We need a mic up on, I believe, two here, if we could. There we go. Uh, Different chair than we normally expect. It's all good. Uh, Let's uh, do another check here real quick. Glad to be here. There we go, Walter. How you doing today? Fantastic. Yeah, so uh, so one uh, one step up in the schools, one step back when it comes to schools. Uh, yeah, that's uh, this is uh, the school resource officer issue that we talked about some time ago is uh, is is back. It didn't go anywhere. It got kicked down the road. It's back. Tell us a little about where that issue is at, Walter Hudson. Yeah, so I, I think the in in order to paint the full picture, it's important to provide some context, right? Yeah. So. On Monday of this week, which was the first week of the 2024 legislative session, Speaker Melissa Hortman got in front of the press on the House floor after our first floor session and said that in her view, she abides by the axiom, according to her, that when we come down to St. Paul to do our legislative work, we should take off our red jerseys, take off our blue jerseys, (laughs) put on our Minnesota jerseys. Uh Uh-huh. And do what is in the best interest of the people of Minnesota and and work to arrive at the best possible policy. Kumbaya. Kumbaya. Yeah. Now, that's an interesting premise upon which to do legislative work. And what I would suggest is that if that was, in fact, the modus operandi that they were proceeding under, you wouldn't have had the school resource officer issue unfold in the way that it has. Um, whereby, first of all, if you go back to 2023 and how this problem entirely started, the language directly affecting the ability of school resource officers to do their job was smuggled into an education omnibus bill, right. never heard in public safety. Yeah. And you've got a lot of Democrats out there pretending as though that's a legitimate legislative process. <laughs> it's like the entire reason why we have all of these different committees that have their specific jurisdictions is in able to empower people and organizations to keep track of the legislative proposals 
that directly impact their lives. In theory, it's supposed to lend the process some of the magic T word that everyone always yaps about that hardly anyone actually does, that transparency, that the, the public is supposed to be able to see some of these debates on the record in a smaller form. We can actually get to more of the issues rather than waiting for it to come up on the floor, which it never will. Yeah. So when you've got organizations like, you know, the State Troopers Association, the Minnesota Police Chiefs Association, the Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association, all of these groups that are involved with public safety. I, I'm guessing, I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing they don't have anywhere near the top of their priority list or agenda keeping track of what's going on in the education committee. Yeah. Right? Um, because that is not that is not a jurisdiction that covers their field. Their field is covered by the Public Safety Committee. Um, and so this language wasn't heard there. That was mistake number one by the Democrats or intentional, depending upon how you view it. And um, so then this language gets passed. It gets signed by Governor Walls and it becomes law. Well, in August of last year, that's when these laws start to take effect. Right. So when that happens, it kind of triggers people's attention. They start to look at, okay, what are the legal changes that are actually going to affect our ability to live our lives? To paraphrase Nancy Pelosi, you've got to pass it and implement it and know what's in it. You got it. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) That is exactly what happened. And so law enforcement agencies found out what was in it. Oy. In August of 2023, and they started to sound the alarm. And started to back slowly away from all the schools that it had officers in. That's right. And so you you basically place these law enforcement agencies into a position where they had one of two choices. One, remove your school resource officers in order to avoid ambiguity and potential liability. Right. The other, keep your school resource officers in and just assume that risk and that potential liability. That's what my sheriff, Sean Derringer, did in Wright County. Yeah. Um, in, in his estimation, you know, he made the call of the value that our school resource officers provide is of such a level that we're willing to assume this risk. But if you would actually sit down and talk to him, he's not going to tell you, oh, we really approve of this. This is great. This is wonderful. I'm so glad they did it. Right. He's going to tell you that this is unsustainable and there, there needs to be a fix. Now, the noise machine certainly had its uh, its way with this. I mean, if, if you listen to the usual chattering bots out there, you, yeah. you, you'd have thought that this whole thing was about, well, we can't have off. We're just going to bar chokeholds on kids in schools here. Right. You, what, what do you Republicans like to choke out kids? Some kids, yeah, I certainly do. I had teenagers, Dagnabbit, but no, uh, being thoroughly facetious there, uh, this wasn't about uh, about forestalling uh, George Floyd episodes in, in every school in Minnesota here. It's funny you should bring up George Floyd because yeah. you know who else did? Cedric Frazier, who's the chief officer, <laughs> uh, author of the so-called fix yes. put forward by the Democrats in both the Education Committee and the Public Safety Committee, which are the only two committees that have heard this bill so far. Um, he made sure in his opening remarks to evoke George Floyd on multiple occasions. That's what this is about. It's entirely political. It's entirely about serving the anti-cop enthusiasm amongst the fringe left. It is not about actually addressing any need in schools presented by students. And listen, um, this the standard that applies to every law enforcement officer, regardless of the context in which they're operating, is the reasonable use of force standard. Yeah. At least it was prior to this language. Yeah. By introducing new language that specifies exactly what type of force can and cannot be used regardless of circumstance, regardless of context. What you are introducing is an unreasonable 
use of force standard. That is what has happened, and that is the cause of the ambiguity and the uncertainty that, is, that law enforcement agencies are facing is that they're dealing with a scenario where if they're on the street or let, let's, let's be very specific. If they're assigned to the street, yeah. then they can use the reasonable use of force standard, yeah. which, as the name suggests, is reasonable. Proportional to the amount of force uh, and slightly escalated from the amount of force you're facing. But if they're contracted as a school resource officer, they cannot use the reasonable use of force standard. That is what this is about. All, all the emotional heartstring plucking that you hear about prone restraint and chokeholds and all of this nonsense is, co- is a total red herring. Yeah. It, is in, it is in concerted rhetorical effort to take your eye off of the ball. This is about whether or not our law enforcement officers, in defense of our children yeah. in our schools, can use reasonable use of force or not. And the Democrat position is they cannot. In fact, the position among... a, a disturbing number of Democrats is, in fact, the cops are the problem. Deb yes. Keeler, Representative Keeler, yesterday said, well, back when I was in school, I think she went to St. Paul Central, uh, the cops were the real problem. I don't want to feel like I'm in, I'm in prison here. Just, what? I, 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 everyone I know who went to Central back then said, and I know people who did go to Central with uh, Representative Keeler, said, the cops were the least of your problems back then. The cops were actually the ones that most of the kids, other than the gothy ones like Representative Keeler, who are nursing their little progressive uh, <laughs> pipe dreams of uh, of, of the cops, uh, of, uh, their little gangster fantasies, apparently. I have no idea what her motivation was other than perhaps sucking up to the DSA. But this fantasy they have that it's the school resource officers that are a problem, and without them, yeah. peace will magically descend. Like, I don't know, some non-aggressive... Uh, principle uh, descending upon the, the land. Well, I mean, the Venn diagram of people who think that school resource officers need to be held to a standard other than the reasonable use of force standard yeah. and the people who think that the police need to be defunded and that cops are evil yeah. and that we need to get police off the streets and that we need to re-release recently arrested criminals back out on bail. We need to pay for their bail and we need to let people out early from their convictions, their sentences when they've been convicted of violent crimes. That is virtually a circle, that it, particular Venn diagram. It pretty much. Oh, and not to mention the ones who want to enforce red flag laws, but want to drop mandatory minimum sentences for using a gun in a crime. So yes. bad law abiding citizen, Eh, criminal meh. Uh, we're talking with Walter Hudson. You got questions or comments? Give us a call. 651-289-4488. Let's take a quick break. It's the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A, The Patriot. Go nowhere. The fun is still just beginning. School days, school days. I'm older now and what will I find but my school days, school days. Whether you're preparing for a typical Sunday morning or a special holiday service, you'll find an array of helpful, creative tools from Worship House Media. From countdown timers to sermon illustrations, visit worshiphousemedia.com. That's worshiphousemedia.com, a division of Salem Media Group. Your children and grandchildren are inheriting a world that's more upside down than ever before. They'll need extraordinary skills to make a positive impact. A Christian education will give them the solid foundation they need to not only endure, but thrive. And that education is available for half off their first year through TwinCitiesTuitions.com. To see our full list of participating schools and to see if the half-off tuitions program is a good fit for your family, go to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on... 
Uh, Gene, who do you take on anyway? Maniacal landlords, slippery renters, overbearing HOA boards, demanding homeowners. Oh, and the legislative lunacy brought on by local politicians wanting to fix everything for us. It's a common sense perspective on the news and stories that affect you the most right where you live. Join Gene Sullivan every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot. We all know that aches and pains come with simply getting older, but it doesn't mean you have to accept it. That's why I want to tell you about a special lady, Leah from Ohio, and her relief factor story. One Sunday, Leah was sitting on the couch in so much pain, she was literally in tears. That's when she decided to try Relief Factor. Just eight days later, she found relief, and she continued to get better and better. To quote her, she said, I am truly amazed at this product. Like me, who after nine, almost ten years, almost a decade of low back pain, lost that pain thanks to Relief Factor. If you're living with aches and pains, see how Relief Factor, a daily drug-free supplement, could help you feel and live better every day. Get the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com or call 1-800-4-RELIEF. It all comes with a feel-better or your money-back guarantee. That number, 1-800-4-RELIEF, relieffactor.com. Eric Metaxas here. More than 200 members of Congress are standing up for AM radio listeners. The AM Radio for Every Vehicle Act will keep AM radio in cars because when cell and internet services are down, this free service could be your only lifeline. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress to pass this critical legislation now or visit dependonam.com for more information. GodTube.com. Inspiration, comedy, music, faith, and fun. Get the best of GodTube every morning and start your day with a smile. Great faith-based videos sent to your inbox daily when you subscribe at GodTube.com, a division of Salem Media Group. AM 12A, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488. Join us, won't you please? Hey, you want to get quickly caught up with the top stories of the day? You'll love the new feature at AM12AThePatriot.com. Just go Quick Takes. Pick your favorite host. Find out the revealed truth right there. Easy as. 651-289-4488. The number to call if you have questions or comments for Representative Walter Hudson, Republican from uh, Albertville. So we were talking about the presenting problem. We had the, uh, the, the language in the legislature basically caused the li- potential liability to school resources, to police departments keeping school resources officers in schools to be judged unacceptable by some of the police departments. Many police departments pulled their officers out. Many fights broke out in schools yep. immediately after that. The, the wave of violence was palpable. Even the media noted it, although I don't know if they ever connected the dots. Weird. So we do have a fix in the works. Everything hunky-dory, Walter said. No, it's very much not. And again, I'll imagine re- my shock. I'll remind listeners that on Monday of this week, the first week of session, Speaker Melissa Hortman speaking to the media on the House floor during our first uh, floor session, stated that she believes we ought to take off our red jerseys and take off our blue jerseys, put on our Minnesota jerseys, and do what we can to arrive at the best possible policy for all people in Minnesota. In that context, I can tell you with absolute 100% certainty that Republicans had nothing to do with coming up with this new language. Okay. We were not in the room as they were having their discussions with quote-unquote stakeholders Uh about what the fix ought to be. 
Um, obviously, our request to have a special session before school started in order to solve this issue, which would have been very easy with a one-page repeal or just crossing out their stupid language, uh-huh. um, was rejected by Governor Walls and the Democrat uh, leadership. And then when the bill actually arrives and we actually get to look at it mere hours before the 2024 legislative session commences, lo and behold, it includes an insidious provision to empower the post board, which is the board that determines whether or not a cop can be a cop, determines whether or not you get licensed as a law enforcement officer in the state of Minnesota to come to develop, quote unquote, model policy. Uh huh which shall be adopted by all of the law enforcement agencies under penalty of license sanction. In other words, if you don't do what the Governor Walls appointed activists on the post board say, you will lose your license to operate as a law enforcement officer in the state of Minnesota. Um, And so what the the effect of this law would be if it in its current form were to become law is in the short term – you would see the reestablishment of the unified reasonable use of force standard, and you probably see school resource officers return to school, and everybody would pat themselves on the back and congratulate themselves and say, look at we fixed it. And then in the long term, you would see the post board run by a bunch of left-wing anti-cop activists putting forward a, a different than reasonable use of force standard that applies only to school resource officers, which is the current problem with this language. They would reestablish the current problem, only there would be nothing we could do about it legislatively because we've de- delegated our responsibility to a bunch of people who don't hold election certificates. So the uh, DFL has a, still a four-vote majority in the House here. It's, uh, that's holding it four right now. And, of course, one-vote yes. majority. And, and Grant Housechild is showing he's starting to waver on a few things in the Senate here. Yeah. So what do you think the odds are of anything uh, anything useful happening to this godforsaken and seemingly very blue jersey-driven bill to, to my yeah. uneducated eye? Well, I mean, we can discern with a fair amount of certainty that they don't have the votes to pass it because that's why it was laid over in the public safety committee on Tuesday of this week. If, that's they, right. if they had the ability to advance this atrocious bill, they would. What's curious, though, is I, I would I don't want listeners who recognize the hazard that this fix poses to gain too much comfort from that. Okay. Because what is actually happening, from what I can tell, is that there are the anti-cop fringe radicals don't like this bill because it's not explicit enough. Like, they're not willing to go along with the scheme that Cedric Frazier has uh, conducted here or crafted here. They want it to be very explicit in statute that school resource officers cannot use the reasonable use of force standard. And that was evident in the the vast amount of testimony. I mean, almost half of the testimony that we heard in the Public Safety Committee on Tuesday night was people who were against this bill. Just as I am against this bill, but they were against it for a completely different reason. I'm against it because it's going to undermine in the long term the ability of school resource officers to do their job. They're against it because it's not explicit enough and not immediate enough in ensuring that school resource officers cannot do their job. So that's the unique and peculiar political situation that we find ourselves in right now. So what do people care who care about this issue need to do? I mean, all of us hoi polloi yeah. out here in, in the popular, to the extent that we still matter with a DFL trifecta, what is it we can do? You need to be calling your legislator, whoever they are, Republican or Democrat, um, but especially Democrat, because mm-hmm. there, there are a number of Democrats who came out last year and indicated that this needs to be fixed. Um, who have been not so strangely silent this year <laughs> regarding um, the how this is panning out. 
and you need to put the pressure on them to be to be very publicly clear about what it is that they intend. Do you intend to reestablish the reasonable use of force standard for school resource officers, or do you not? Dear Senator Pappas, oh, this ought to be good. So uh, th- that's that's among the bits of bad news in this first week in the session, although uh, they're, 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 the sausage is still being made, at least at least all the social problems that were supposed to be fixed by squandering a $17 billion surplus have all been fixed. <laughs> and the nonprofits who are spending this money, uh, or should say responsibly custodializing this money, have come back to the legislature to say, thank you, yeah. sirs, problem solved, right. best of luck. No, it's the opposite, actually. Wait, what? Um, on Thursday of this week, so I sit on the Children and Families Committee and the Public Safety Committee. And entirely independently, we had presentations with testimony from nonprofit organizations, quote-unquote community groups, who uh. received appropriations from your surplus oh, yeah. that you did not get back no. last year. Okay, yeah. They got your money in order to, quote-unquote, address in the children and families community to address homelessness and in the public safety committee to provide victim advocacy services for victims of crime. And both of them came back hat in hand first week this year, opening days of session, to say we need more money. Why? And they stated this unironically, without Uh any shame whatsoever. Uh The problems for which we exist to solve have gotten worse. Uh, you see, this is incomprehensible to me because I was reliably informed that the economy in one Minnesota has been set to puree, and the yeah. and, and poverty's down thirty percent. Right. I mean, that's what we were promised just before the end of the last session. They got very quiet about it once the session ended. But yet, thirty percent is the number we were given, and yet here we are, money gone, problems still there. What the what, Walter Hudson? Yeah, I mean, we heard from the. I, I might be getting this wrong i hope i'm not the commissioner of the council on interagency and homelessness i'm definitely slaughtering that That's but right. we, we we've heard from some state employee that deals with um, homelessness on the children and families committee and i asked her i'm like wh- why are we hearing from these testifiers yeah that the problem is only getting worse and worse and worse despite our our increased investment in quote unquote solving the problem like at what point can we expect a peak and then a reduction yeah in the problem and her answer was well it's the cost of housing it's the it's the the lack of increase in wages it's the fact that it's getting more expensive to live which i translate as it's the biden walls economy yeah. So what are we doing to address that? What are we doing to address the fact that it's becoming more expensive to live and therefore more and more people find themselves in dire straits? So the problems that they were supposed to solve haven't been solved. The poverty that's supposed to be reduced by 30 percent, we don't even know what they're, what, where they're measuring this and when and what the deadline for reducing the poverty by 30 percent is, which we're told that food shelves are doing the biggest business they've ever done, which makes me think maybe poverty isn't on the skids here. And by the way, their fully funded education system uh, still has a lot of people going out on strike looking for uh, for a lot more money. It's almost like these campaign promises had no meaning whatsoever, Walter Hudson. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, and, and this is the thing. Like, I want to grant some... Uh, nuance and grace to these actual organizations, the people who are doing the work on the sure. on the ground level. Because the fact of the matter is, do I think that we ought to come alongside victims of crime and help them out to the extent that we can? Yeah, yes, of course. Do, do I think that um, we ought to come alongside people who are experiencing financial difficulty and provide them 
with whatever help we can in order to try to put them back on the right track and put their lives back together. Yes, I believe that. The problem that I have is that we are not addressing the underlying causes of these problems. So you cannot, out of one side of your mouth, Jacob Fry, claim (laughs) that crime is down in Minneapolis. And then on the other side of your mouth, when you're with the groups that you are appropriating money for um, to address victim advocacy services are coming down to the Capitol and saying the problem is getting worse. Like one of those two things is not true, right? Either crime, crime is going down. Or they need more services. Let's take a quick call. Dan in Invergrove Heights, you have a question for Walter. you got about 30 seconds. Go right ahead. Sure. Uh, yeah, hi, Walter. Yeah, um, in addition to calling our legislators, do you think it could be helpful if we had a more robust and powerful response to the left-wing Marxist, anti-Judeo-Christian values, anti-law enforcement, uh, anti-Second Amendment bills? If we had something analogous to actforamerica.org, which would be more like actforminnesota.org, where you could work with other uh, conservative constitutionalist organizations and have petitions at the ready as soon as these lunatic bills come out of uh, hearings and we sign and we start signing petitions where you already have the wording in place and we just sign it and it goes to all the legislators in Minnesota. Is there a shortage of conservative? By the way, great question, Dan. Thanks. Is there a shortage of conservative activist groups out there that haven't been firebombed yet? <laughs> I love the way you asked that question. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, there is not. Um, I'm not familiar with the specific solutions that Dan is referencing, and he can get a hold of me at rep.walter.hudson.house or at house.mn.gov um, to pass those along. But I will say this. Listen, I, my frustration with our side, yeah. and I had a conversation with another a fellow colleague in the, in the Republican caucus in the House this morning about this is that we tend to focus on the less controversial issues that involve that don't really involve moral conviction. So things like the state flag um, and the new, the $750 million state office building. Yeah. Um, Those are, those are issues that while important um, do not touch upon the, the, moral vein of what's going on in our society. We need to be more willing to step into the arena. Important and yet not the the key underlying issue that that is the crux of this state's decline. Walter Hudson, we just spent an hour talking about this sometime here. Thanks for stopping by here today, though. Uh, Alex Plekash, who uh, just got back from Israel talking about about his trip. No slideshow, but plenty of stories. Go nowhere. We'll be right back. Center is a place of hope for women facing unplanned pregnancies. The mission continues at a new location in Crystal, expanding the outreach to help more women with additional exam rooms, a lab, and more space for educational and practical life skill classes. Crystal Women's Clinic, a ministry of Robbinsdale Women's Center, is exclusively donor-funded. A first step for women considering abortion. Help empower women to choose life. Please join the cause at supportlife.org. Donate today at supportlife.org. Did you know my mom's going to have a baby? She is. Will it be a boy? Or will it be a girl? We don't know yet, but we heard the heartbeat, and my dad said this is going to be someone very special. You mean like being a president? Or maybe a doctor. 
Well, probably maybe like a singer-dancer, I think. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. We know that every baby is a miracle and has the potential to do great things. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. What is dedication? My biggest fear in the middle of my addiction was that my kids wouldn't have a father. I overdosed on heroin and I lived. And I started thinking, you know what? This isn't my story. My desire to change had finally outweighed my desire to stay the same. I felt powerless for so much of my life. It's important to me that my kids are empowered and truly believe that if if they can think it, they can do it. I definitely had to become a better man to be a better father. For the first time, I, I finally feel like I'm exactly where I should be, where I want to be. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. If you could build the world's greatest radio station, where would you start? We'd begin by creating a live station that's able to provide breaking news updates. Then we'd install some of today's top political voices behind the mic. Finally, we'd craft a convenient way to listen with a specialized mobile app. No, it's not a work in progress. It's on the air now. AM 1280, The Patriot. Intelligent radio. Online at am1280thepatriot.com. AM 1280, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, don't forget you can discover a treasure trove of commentary and interviews from our values-driven and award-winning hosts that extends way beyond what you hear on the air. Visit Salem Podcast Network. Dot com featuring Main Street Matters with Elaine Parker and Alfredo Ortiz. 651-289-4488 is the number to call should you care to join us. Uh, I'm joined now uh, by a longtime acquaintance, first time uh, talking with, to the best of my knowledge, Alex Plekis joins us here. Alex, uh, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Uh, you just got back from Israel. Want to talk about that? Obviously, it's been on all the papers. Uh, first of all, introduce yourself to the audience, Alex. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Um, I am uh, principally the the reason I'm talking today is I am the RNC committee man representing Minnesota on the RNC, and I'm a retired lieutenant colonel out of the Marine Corps, Naval Academy graduate, former fighter pilot, Top Gun guy, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I went to Israel and now it's been about two months. Uh, we last week in November, first week in December is when I was there. Uh, and that's the reason I'm on call today. Yeah. Okay. So what, yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I, I've, I've, I've talked to other people not on the air who have uh, spent some time in Israel since the current war began. Uh, given your perspective as someone who spent some time uh, at least looking at it and, and being in some of the nastier parts of the world, what's, uh, t- tell us a little bit what people need to know about what's going on in Israel today, uh, Alex. Well, what I would say is that the uh, common narrative that's out there is very misguided. 
uh, as to uh, what this is all about. I will tell you that the uh, the people of Israel were horribly attacked. Yeah. Uh, words really can't even describe the horror that was there. There was no no justification for it whatsoever. It was actually the embodiment of evil. And um, people don't understand, I think, the history of Israel and, and the Jewish people, the nation, and, uh, and the non-history of Palestine in terms of never actually been a country. So what was done on October uh, 7th was just unprovoked, and it was horrible. And so what the RNC, uh, at least a, a member of the RNC, Leora Levy out of Connecticut, she was the endorsed Republican candidate for uh, the U.S. Senate. Uh, she's the national committee woman there, and she put it out to those of us in the RNC, anybody that wanted to go on a, on a contingent, and I immediately raised my hand, of course. I knew that I wanted to go. And so we went out there. As, uh, it wasn't an officially sanctioned trip, per se, uh, but we all were representing the RNC to go there and show solidarity with the country and actually a bit of a fact-finding mission to actually see what had happened. Uh, we uh, we got there. We had armed security with us the whole time, and we met with some of the very top leaders in the government, in the military, in the intelligence community. And uh, we went to the, the many of the sites of the massacres that occurred. We talked to the people that were there. Uh, we were with the IDF. Uh, it was quite quite a, a, an educational week. What uh, what was the biggest surprise? Anything surprised you? Obviously, you're, you're fairly well connected on defense matters here, but even so. The scale of the atrocities committed on October 7th were, were clearly ghastly. I was actually in Norway on October 7th and saw, and saw the whole thing on their news, which, say what you will, they, they, they focus on the facts uh, over uh, on their television. There's a whole lot less uh, agenda wrapped around the whole thing. So it was, it was pretty uh, shocking how horrible human beings can be to each other. Uh, Alex Pluckish, anything surprise you since you've been over in Israel? Uh, well, two things come to mind. One is that, uh, you know, I, I did talk to and meet with a fair number of IDF soldiers. Yep. And I'm not talking about the generals and the people at the top. I'm talking about the regular IDF soldiers that were called up to respond to this. Yep. And one thing that surprised me, not that I thought about it ahead of time, but on um, uh, reflection, what surprised me is that I did not detect anger or feelings of retribution, or, you know, we got to get back at these people from any of the people I met. Uh, these were just good people uh, that were called up to do a job to, you know, basically save their country. But there were no feelings of real anger. They just had a job to do, and they were going to get it done. Um, I'm not sure that everyone would feel that way when you <laughs> actually comprehend the, the atrocities, but that's kind of what I felt there. Yeah, I'm out uh, there. The other th- I'm totally out there. I, 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 heck, if I went over there, I, I even as, as a Gentile, I'd probably have a hard time getting rid of the anger. Anyway, number two, yes, Alex Blackish, go right ahead. The other thing is that because I was right there not long after these, these things had occurred, um, the amount of evil that I saw and heard was more than I would have expected. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've seen things, that, you know, I spent some, you know, career in Marine Corps and all that. But what happened on that day was beyond words. And, you know, I, I used the words uh, when I came back with a couple of people said that this was worse than the Holocaust. And a lot of people might, you know, kind of take, uh, go back at that and say, well, you can't say that. You know, how, nothing can be worse than the Holocaust. Well, it was. And that's not my assessment. Those were words that actually were told to me by people in Israel. 
In fact, there were even members of the Knesset that I met with who said the same thing. Uh, Those were not my thoughts. Those were their thoughts. And the reason that I think that's true is because not only was that evil beyond description, but the people perpetrating it were having a good time when they were doing it. Yeah. Because they had body cameras on them uh, to document what they were doing and sending it to uh, social media real time uh, and, and to basically say, here's what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, it seems unfathomable to me that they would actually do that, but they did. And while I was there, I saw some of those videos. I saw the famous 47-minute video, uh, which was uh, not a documentary. It was basically just a compilation of what was uh, recorded on that day. Yeah. And, uh, and I saw some private video as well, which, again, words can't describe the horror. Yeah, and, and in fact, that's that's one of the reasons I've heard. It's like it's you, you, it's indescribably evil, and yet with all the cameras and all of the live video that was was underway, they did a great job of describing it for themselves. Something even the Nazis never did. At least the, I mean, it's hard to it, it's not saying anything good about the Nazis that they at least tried to hide the the, the extent of their crimes at the end of World War II unsuccessfully, uh, but. They didn't. Hamas didn't even uh, didn't even try to cover it up. They they explained it very well live and in color and video, and that's uh, was just so intensely nauseating. So, any particular? I mean, what what's what's your takeaways from the trip here? I mean, anything you want to take forward to this, or you want to see people take forward about this on a policy level, Alex Blackish? Uh What I would say is that don't take my word for it. Go and study history. Go, go to find the truth, because the truth evades us, it seems, in the common narrative. People that are out there protesting in favor of Palestine and Hamas, uh, people that shout the words from the river to the sea, they really don't know what they're saying. They don't know what they're protesting for or against. Yeah. So I would say, don't take my word for it. Go and actually study real history. Yeah. And I think you might come away with a different view. You know, the, 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 in 1937, an anti-Semitic British diplomat came up with a plan for a two-state solution. Uh, the, the Arabs responded with one of the greatest pogroms outside of Kristallnacht back then. I mean, killing hundreds of, of Jews in what they were called the Palestinian Mandate back then. Eleven years later, 1948, there was a two-state solution drawn up by the United Nations, which to which the Palestinians' backers responded by invading Israel, trying to wipe it off the map from the river to the aforementioned sea. 2006, Ehud Barak tried to give them their second state all by themselves for free. It's a gimme, and we see what happened there. So people who ask for the two-state solution, uh, I mean, the proper response there is, okay, are we going to make it actually work this time? Show us some sense of good faith that this is going to end up like the last three attempts at a two-state solution. Yeah, the uh, thing I found there is that, you know, the, the I don't get into the politics of Israel because I don't understand it. I don't know it uh, intimately at all. Yeah. Uh, I just, I know enough to know that politics in Israel are every bit as complicated and diverse as they are here in our own country. Yeah. So, but when I was there, I sensed that there was a unity of purpose from all the factions, knowing that they had to eliminate the, the scourge of Hamas. Uh, not a two-state solution, not a ceasefire. They had to complete the mission and eradicate Hamas. And a few people would say, well, there's two sides to the story. 
And I said, well, I guess there is. There is the truth and there is the the non-truth. There is there is good and there is evil. So in that sense, there are two sides to the story. But Israel is determined to eliminate the scourge of Hamas to the very end, whatever that means. Uh, I don't think even people in Israel know what it's going to look like when they finally eradicate Hamas in Gaza. Uh, they can't just give it back to them like they did originally and say, you know, here's your state, you know, go with it, because we saw what happened. Uh, Hamas is a duly elected uh, government, basically, of, Palest- of the, uh, the Palestinians in Gaza. Uh, they were not terrorists. I mean, they are terrorists, but they weren't like an outside force. They were elected by the people there. They cleaned so they up for a while. Yeah. And so I don't know what it's going to look like, but I do know that the country seems to be unified in their effort to eradicate it. And one other question for you. I know I know you got to get on to things and so do I. But one other question, since you are a military guy and you were a Marine, so you may have spent a little time learning small unit uh, tactics at some point or another of your career. The one thing that I've heard from people in Israel is that when you think of urban combat, which most of what's going on in Gaza is, you think Stalingrad, you think Aachen, you think you think Fallujah, uh, urban meat grinders that are just, just have an incredible butcher's bill. And from the sound of it, the Israelis have managed to to carry out this intense urban combat at, I hate to say low cost, relatively low cost compared to what one expects when goes into a densely populated area that's been fortifying itself for three generations. Thoughts on that as a military man, Alex Plekish? Well, first off, I was a fighter pilot, not in the infantry. So uh, and if you were an Air Force, little... I wouldn't have even asked if you were an Air Force or Navy guy, but you were a Marine, and every Marine's a rifleman, and you've got to have some uh, sympathy for oh, the yeah, snuffies yeah. on the ground. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we were there to support them. Uh, what I would say is, uh, and this was based on my observation in Israel, is uh, that Israel may be the most moral country on the planet at least in terms of the military. They went to the extreme to warn people that this was going to happen, to uh, drop leaflets, to make announcements uh, on social media, broadcast, uh, radio, whatever, to say, we're going to take over this area. Please get out. And here's where you can go. Uh, I've not heard of that happening in any other kind of urban combat, but they, they did the best they can. But unfortunately, Hamas won't let their people go. Yeah. Uh, and they use them as human shields in hospitals and schools and and um, uh, in their their religious facilities and so on. Uh, they kept them there. And so you have this collateral damage, which is unavoidable if they're going to just do that. But even still, they, they do it so methodically that they try to absolutely limit the number of civilian casualties while they need to progress. Uh, I've not seen that done anywhere else, not to the extent that Israel is doing it. And to the extent of the civilian death toll that's existed, I, I like to remind some of my uh, pro-Hamas or Hamas uh, sympathy, uh, sympathetic neighbors that even the Germans and Japanese moved children away from first strike targets during World War II. I mean, even they were yeah. not quite as uh, a, a horrible bunch of animals as Hamas seems to be. Uh, Alex Pluckish, uh, GOP uh, committeeman, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your perspective. If you want to talk more about this, by all means, have your people call my people because I could go on in this for a solid hour. But thanks for joining us today. Best of luck and, uh, yeah, carry on out there. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Likewise. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM12A, the Patriot One segment to go before Jack Tomzak brings his crew in and, uh, and, and brings the party up to 11. In the meantime, one more segment to go, which means the fun is still technically just beginning. Go nowhere. We'll be right back. Oh, I'm 
smart, beautiful, and a former Fox Business Channel host. Now you can hear her take on the day's financial news on the Trish Regan Show on the Salem Podcast Network. Hear intelligent radio through your smart speaker. Just say, play Play the the Patriot Patriot Minneapolis. Minneapolis. The institutions use the markets to create income and get better returns for their investors. They are consistent year after year using tools that most people know nothing about. Learn the skills to invest and trade with the institutions at a free investing class in our local Twin City Center or virtually at 952-814-4410. Discover the tools the institutions use daily at Online Trading Academy, 952-814-4410, or go to learnwithota.com. Hi, this is Scott Trout of Cordell & Cordell. If you're a dad who is facing divorce, there are extra layers of stress that may include stereotypes and assumptions. No two situations are the same. Our legal experience and dedication prepare us for whatever legal challenges we face together. You need a partner you can count on. For more than 30 years, Cordell & Cordell has represented men in divorce. Schedule an appointment with one of Cordell & Cordell's Twin Cities attorneys, a partner men can count on. CordellCordell.com Hey, you're up next. Uh, My throat hurts so bad. There's no way I can sing tonight. Here, try these. Vicks VapoCool Drops. Yeah, Vicks VapoCool Drops has maximum strength menthol with a rush of Vicks Vapors. Ooh, I can already feel it. I told you. So, you ready? I'm ready. Vaporize sore throat pain fast with Vicks VapoCool Drops. There are progressive forces and organizations dividing us as a people and as a country. They stoke hatred and division to hide the real problems and keep us angry. We've seen this pattern repeat itself over and over again. We have to take a new course. And now's the time to return to our cultural roots of faith, family, and education. Over half of black students in Minneapolis public schools are failing. But black students in the same neighborhoods who attend private faith-based schools perform above national averages. Every parent should have the choice and the right to send their child to a safe and excellent school. And today, nearly 80% of black children in the Twin Cities live day-to-day without their father. That's four out of every five. Take Charge Minnesota believes that America works for everyone, regardless of race or social standing. Get more information by going to TakeChargeMN.com. If you can snap your fingers, you can find this radio station. Your smartphone is now your smart radio. There are no limitations on where you can find us. We're always on. It's liberty and truth through your smart speaker. Just say, play Freedom Radio, Minneapolis. AM 12A, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Join us, would you please? Six five one two eight nine four four eight eight. number to call. Should you care to join us? Like a mirror. Big finish. Hey, don't forget the Legislative Evaluation Assembly's annual gala is coming up, and the deadline for tickets is tomorrow. By the way, uh, Steve Dace, we talked with him last week. He's the keynote speaker. This is going to be huge. We'll be talking about the subject not just near and dear, but dispositive to this show's heart, the evolution in conservative media. You heard it last week. It's going to be a whole speech on the subject. Get in there. Go to shotinthedark.info. Click on the post entitled Gala. 
or go to lea-mn.org. 651-289-4488, the number to call. Hey, surprise, surprise, there was a mass shooting in Kansas City right after the Super Bowl as the uh, Kansas City Chiefs were coming back uh, after having been blessed by Taylor Swift with their victory in the Super Bowl. And there was a mass shooting with a number of victims. And the anti-gun crowd, dare I say it, do I dare say it, they pounced on it for a hot minute. And then the word came out. Because you could tell what happens with a mass shooting. If a mass shooting turns out to be gang members taking out gang beams on the audience, or if it happens to be someone who, uh, if the shooters happens to be someone who's uh, checked off enough uh, car, uh, check boxes on the intersectional bingo card, the shooting disappears. Poof. Like a zephyr on the wind. And that's what happened. The uh, the announcement was made that the uh, Kansas City parade shooting was a result of a dispute. It's all a dispute. All of that slandering of law-abiding gun owners and their right to keep and bear arms, eh, don't mind it. It was a dispute. A dispute between who? It doesn't matter. Just a dispute. Nothing to see here, people. Move along. Kind of like all of the shootings... Mass shootings, spree killings, let's use, let's be honest, spree killings in the last two years, three years, that have involved people with extensive lists of check marks on the intersectional bingo card, largely trans people. Hey, they're a minority of spree killers. Yeah, but they're per capita, they're way out of proportion to the number of people who are, are not transgender who are carrying out spree killings. Uh, so... Let's be honest about that. Anyway, killing in Kansas City, mass shooting, no worries. It's a dispute. That's it. Let's go to the phones. Bloomington, Engie joined us. Engie, what on earth is up with you? Hey, Mitch, it's been too long. Yes, but I listen you are correct, weekend. sir. <laughs> hey, first of all, just to uh, synopsize the show, um, I, I appreciated you having the libertarian candidate for president on. Yes. Now, when I heard you were having him, you know, a little slight groan because, you know, it's between the two old guys, right? Oh, yeah. But I listened the whole time, uh, and I think it's important that, you know, you, you talk to people like, like that guy and, uh, and that they, their ideas uh, be welcomed. Uh, I'm thinking back to, you know, when Dr. Ron Paul yeah. uh, ran, and that was a, I'm sure you were probably in that group. And uh, what really upset me is that the Republican Party didn't embrace his Ron Paul uh, supporters. You know, right? I, I and, can see what, because he was a challenge to the establishment. Establishments exist for a reason. But when you had Republicans, I'm not going to name names, but Republicans actually on this network saying, I'd rather people vote for Obama than for Ron Paul. How stupid do you need to? And I say this about people that I respect deeply. I consider good friends. But what a bunch of morons are you? Sorry, I just had to let yeah, that I, out. No, Mitch, as far as ranters go, you are among the best, particularly when you had Ed as a fall guy. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, anyway. I, um, I miss that. But, I do. <laughs> yeah, God, yeah. But um, I also wanted to, um, and, and first of all, we could solve the presidential problem with uh, two words, three words, Walter Hudson, 2024. You know, I'd, um, like to, I'd like to see him running for governor or Senate sometime before that. But yeah, uh, getting oh, him some name recognition would be amazing. Absolutely. He okay. is just the best. He, he, he reminds me of uh, Dave Osmick, who was my all-time favorite. Yeah. Um, and, and next, uh, Representative Isaac Schultz from uh, 10B, of course. Schultz and Lucero and, and that whole that whole crowd. I mean, Draskowski, they're, they're, it's, a, it's a great crowd. Uh, Got to move oh, along. Oh, God, I love Draz. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, yes. One quick thing, Mitch. You talk about um, – Emailing your your people. What about showing up at the Capitol? I plan on showing up on on Monday. Isaac told me that uh, they would be in session, and I messaged you um, my sign uh, for the SRO solution. Yes, um, with our the always available Lieutenant uh, Governor uh, Peggy, you know whatever her name is, uh, yeah. with the uh, with the knives uh, protect trans yeah, that's right. Knives, that's right. Whatever. Yeah, uh, I guess it keeps on giving. Thanks, Mitch. Go with whatever Ike tells you about that. He's one of the good, good ones, absolutely. Thank you. for As always, Angie, uh, don't be a stranger. So, uh, Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A, The Patriot. By the way, my band, Elephant in the Room, coming up uh, next Saturday. Not tonight, but next Saturday, Excelsior Brewing Company, one of our favorite rooms. Hope you can make it. We're going to have a great crowd out there. It's always a great time out there. Also, uh, I'm in for Brad Carlson, who's off on assignment tomorrow. So I'm looking for It's a special broadcast tomorrow, one I've been looking forward to doing for a while. One I hope you'll like. One that's kind of a kickoff to a whole other project. What's he talking about? We'll get back to you on that. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you all. God bless America. We all know that aches and pains come with simply getting older. But it doesn't mean you have to accept it. That's why I want to tell you about a special lady, Leah from Ohio, and her relief factor story. One Sunday, Leah was sitting on the couch in so much pain, she was literally in tears. That's when she decided to try Relief Factor. Just eight days later, she found relief, and she continued to get better and better. To quote her, she said, I am truly amazed at this product. Like me, who after nine, almost ten years, almost a decade of low back pain, lost that pain thanks to Relief Factor. If you're living with aches and pains, see how Relief Factor, a daily drug-free supplement, could help you feel and live better every day. Get the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com or call 1-800-4-RELIEF. It all comes with a feel-better or your money-back guarantee. That number, 1-800-4-RELIEF, relieffactor.com. This is Dennis Prager. I am excited to announce the all-new PragerTopia Plus. You can listen to my show whenever it's convenient for you, all commercial-free and all on demand. Now with Prager Plus, search topics, guests, and segments all the way back to 2010. And now a truly exciting new benefit, my monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. This is where for an hour each month, PragerTopia Plus members get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. That's right, anything. It's on video. I'll be talking to you and answering your questions. We may even have a special guest every now and then. I've never done this. 
Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is only available to PragerTopia Plus members. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Over 50,000 police officers are assaulted on the job each year, leading to injuries and death. This is the reality they deal with when making contact with the public. Another reality is that if someone doesn't comply with a lawful order or uses force against them, police may have to use sufficient force in response to obtain compliance. Use of force is always ugly. Nobody likes it, especially police, and nobody knows how it will turn out. Spread the word. For de-escalation to work, both parties must de-escalate, and de-escalation isn't necessary if there is no escalation. Help police by not escalating. Don't attack or try to disarm an officer, whether it's getting asked a question, getting a citation, or getting arrested. Don't argue, don't resist, don't flee. After the encounter has been resolved is the time to address any complaints. Comply now, complain later. Keep everybody safe. This message brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how to help law enforcement accomplish its goals, visit nationalpolice.org. AM 1280, The Patriot.